Let me say this as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we've got to be careful and make sure that in everything, man, we are trying to get as close to what the word says as possible. And we got to understand that with that type of wickedness, man, you know, God does not wink at that. That's judgment. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. And you don't have shades of truth. You have truth or you have error. You have fact or you have fiction. And now we go into the thick of it. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Aaron Addison's. On American Family Radio, sure do appreciate you tuning in today. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And Sherry B is over in Studio CC. We'll endeavor to get to calls today. Um, but we do want to uh, get through a lot of information, a lot of discussion today. And I, I think it's important to give a little disclaimer here because I know that sometimes uh, kids listen with their parents and, you know, our kids listen, you know what I'm saying, to the radio, listen to AFR. And mm-hmm. so, um, of course, there have been times where, <laughs> unfortunately, there was not a disclaimer given. And, and it may be things like as you get older, you kind of forget about little ears, right, yeah. and how they're processing stuff. And so for an adult audience, it would be okay to have a certain conversation that you don't have to give a disclaimer for. Yeah. But I, I think as a mom, I really do. It's, you know, I'm in the throes of it. And so I give disclaimers because I've been in the car and there's been a topic thrown out. And then the little one turns and says, wait, what? <laughs> you know, and you're like, oh, <laughs> um, I wasn't ready to, to talk father. about that yet. <laughs> talk to your father when we get home. Okay. Um, so I, I do that be, not because I think what we're about to go into is so harsh and like that adults are going to be so offended, although right. it's possible. Right. I do that because if you've got little ears, there may be a topic of conversation that you want to pioneer with your kid. And mm-hmm. I want to respect that. We'll, we we want to respect that and, and right. say, so today, the topic of conversation, while I think it is a necessary one, I will bring in some current event information that is going to be a little bit disturbing to hear and um, might cause a conversation that, you know, unless you're ready to go into it with your kid, you don't want somebody else bringing that up. At least that's how I look at it. You know what I mean? I'm like, you know, that's, that's part of the reason why I homeschool because I want to be the one turning the little spigot. You know what I mean? I want to, or the the handle, the knot, whatever it is, whatever controls the flow. That's all I'm saying. Uh, So anyways, the knob, whatever. (laughs) Um, but uh, but so the topic of conversation today uh, is is this train yourself for godliness and then uh, sure. But how? OK, so it's a statement hmm. followed up by a sincere question. Train yourself for godliness. Sure. I think we all agree that we want to be godly. Um, but the question is then how. And so we're going to go into that just a little bit before we do that. Um, I want to use as the backdrop for our conversation um, Paul's conversation with or Paul's letter to Timothy mm-hmm. and where he tells him to train himself um, for godliness. He tells him to train himself for godliness. And then we're going to take a jog over to the current news story that is out today. And we are going to use that as a backdrop to um, kind of work our way through training ourselves for godliness, what this looks like in the current climate Mm -hmm. and with all of the hostility that is raging around us, we don't have to be victims of this guys. We don't, we don't have to be all uncomfortable and nervous around each other. 
you know, apologizing and stumbling over one another and Mm -hmm. just all of the weird, goofy stuff that people are doing these days. (laughs) Like, I just I don't know. And I sometimes when I look at what the word of God teaches us on various issues, I go, am I really just that much of a simpleton? Why I just why do I just believe this? Why do I just believe the word of God? I I just do. I yeah. just do, folks. All right. So so here we have um let's let's start with uh let's start with 1 Timothy chapter 4, right? And so here we have Paul writing to Timothy that there is going to be a departure from the faith, right? That there's going to be a departure from truth. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important for us to have this backdrop because when Paul makes his way to telling Timothy to train himself uh, for godliness, right? Um, there's something that precedes that. It's sort of like bringing to his attention the types of things that are going to happen. So in First Timothy chapter 4, verse, verses, I'll start at verse 1, and then eventually what we want to do is work our way to, to verse 12. So here we go. Now the Spirit expressly says that in later times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. Hmm. Through the insincerity, through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared, who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything God, uh, for everything created by God is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. For it is made holy by the word of God in prayer. Verse six, verse six. So Paul writes to Timothy, if you put these things and and it's not just what is in verse four or what what begins chapter four. Remember, it's all of these things, because before that, he's talking about praying for all people. He's talking about the qualification of elders and deacons. Mm -hmm. He's talking about how the church is to be conducted. Right. So I wouldn't start at just chapter four and say, if you put these things, I would put everything that our brother has just written. okay, and say that what he is saying to Timothy is If you put these things and go back and read the other chapters, right? If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Verse seven, have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths, rather train yourself for godliness for while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Now, I'm going to stop there for a second. Mm-hmm. And here is what I want to say. If what Paul is talking about to Timothy does not require work, it would not be called training. That's right. Okay, like if if it were something that were natural Mm -hmm. to our sin nature, then it would not be called training. Right. Who having mastered what it is to serve in the military goes into training? You don't because you got it right. You don't. Whose kid. (laughs) Okay, moms, whose kid just wakes up one day and says, you know what? Today I'm potty. I'm pottied. That's I, I'm doing it today. No more diapers, no more pull-ups, potties. And, and then that's it. And then they get it. Maybe you have one like that. But for the rest of us, we call that period of life potty training, right? <laughs> Where there are mistakes that, that are made, there are right. hiccups, but we work on it. We, we train our kids to go to the bathroom. Otherwise, that send-off package for college includes pull-ups, yeah. right? But we train... <laughs> 
<laughs> Which would be very crazy. <laughs> It'd be weird. Um, but we train our kids, right? We train them. And the implication here is that it takes work. Mm. Notice also that it takes keeping doctrine in front of the people of God. This wow. is what Paul is saying to Timothy. It takes keeping these things. Keep these things in front of the people of God. And you know right? what you don't have to train for with the human heart is to train it to be deceitfully wicked. Oh, come on, That's man. That, that is just, so natural. It's natural. <laughs> but the tra- that, you have to train in righteousness. <laughs> come on. Come yeah. on. That is so train natural. Like, That's right. You have to train in godliness and train in righteousness. And so this is our focus today. Our focus today is how do we do this? And so chief among the ways that we do this Mm -hmm. is by keeping the word of God central for all of our discussion. This is our filter. Guys, I know you're like, man, the Addison say the same thing. Well, every day that you tune in, we're going to find a different way to tell you the same thing. Filter your conversations through the word of God. And it's, it gives, it's assuring to me. It's reassuring that, yeah. you know, like, man, I don't have to just try to go on and try to figure out, you know, how am I supposed to respond to this? And that that happens in our, you know, in our world. We have the Bible and it's Amen. like we don't either we don't believe it, you know, fully or I don't know what it is. But, man, we have this. We and this is something that that, that God has made. For us that we can use in these in every situation, in every situation. Amen. Like you are not going to you're not going to encounter a current event. Right. That demands a response from you. Right. That is that where you're talking about. How do I live faithfully for the glory of God? You're not going to encounter a current event or a past event or a pop cultural phenomenon or whatever where the Bible is silent. Mm especially when you are required to stand faithfully in the midst of this occurrence. That that would be unloving for God to call us to a certain standard of righteousness and holiness for God to call us to live a certain way and then not provide for us the type of instruction that's going to be applicable in every one of the situations that we're going to face. That's going to try to rail against that. Right. And that's what we're facing Mm -hmm. on a regular basis. We are facing current events. Okay, we are facing popular conversation that wants to make war on the truth of God's word. And so the Christian has to be able to stand against this. So when when you look at uh, first Timothy, Mm -hmm. chapter four, verses one through twelve, Pastor David Jeremiah has a great list where he looks at what is considered like what do we watch for when we say what are departures from the truth, mm. right? So because beginning in, in, in chapter four, verse one, Paul writes, now the spirit expressly says that in later times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons <laughs> through the insincerity of liars mm. whose consciences are seared. So what are the marks that a person has departed from the truth? And I know you're like, man, how do we get to what's currently happening in culture? But wait, there's more. <laughs> so what what are the marks? And I thought this was a great list from Pastor David Jeremiah. So I'm going to read it to you and I'm going to put my emphasis on point number five, point number five. But here is what Pastor David Jeremiah says. When you look at the, the marks of departing from the truth, mm-hmm. right? Number one, anybody who adopts a teaching that departs from these, our core beliefs in the faith, we have to watch for these people. Number one, the sovereignty of God. Anybody who wants to move away from the sovereignty of Mm. God, you watch for those people. Number two, lordship of Christ evidenced in his death and resurrection. Number three, the necessity of repentance. Mm. 
(laughs) There's so many other ways we can go with this conversation today, but we're going to stay on track. Number four, certainty, availability, and reality of grace, Mm. right? Mm -hmm. Number five, preeminence of love for both God and others. Mm. I'm going to repeat number five. I'm going to read number six. Number six is authority of scripture. Mm. When people depart from these core beliefs and these core teachings, um, they have departed from the truth and we must avoid them. We must mark them. We must not join in with them. But I want to go back to number five, the preeminence of love for both God and others. This is a mark of our commitment and our faithfulness to the one gospel that we have received. This would have been core. This would have been, um, I would say predominant in the early church that love for God fueled love for others. Yeah. Okay. And it is the others that I want to focus on for the Christian because it's easy to love self sometimes, Mm -hmm. most of the time, Mm -hmm. almost all the time, right? right? People that fall into that category. But it is the others part that really gets us. And in fact, and, and I don't, I don't want to jump too far ahead, but, but let me say this. In fact, this was what distinguished the followers of the Lord Jesus Christ from the adherence to Judaism. Do you remember, and um, you, can, you can look at this in scripture, do you remember Jesus, this, you, you have this, this lawyer, I think it was a lawyer, Let's turn, I'm going to turn to it, it's Luke, um, Luke chapter 10, uh, verses 25 through 37, Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37, right? And it's the parable of the good Samaritan. Mm-hmm. So what up until this point is the Jewish law teaching, right? That you need to love God, right? And you need to love your neighbor as yourself. But up until this point, the definition by default is that my neighbor, my neighbor is the person who is like me, <laughs> Right? But what does Jesus do? He takes this moment to tell this story about the Samaritan who by definition is the despised other. Yeah. And he makes the Samaritan the picture of loving your neighbor as yourself. It's the loving the other and not just the other that "Ah, I just don't really understand, but it's the despised other. It's the other that you go, oh, you're so beneath me. You think on your own of yourself. You're so beneath me. Jesus, again, ups the ante. All right, we got to grab the break. Aaron the Addison's American Family Radio will be right back. to Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. Thank you so much for doing that. I'm Miki. And I'm Will, and that's Mercy Me, even if. Train yourself for godliness. Sure. But how? <laughs> how do we do that? Our argument is by being steeped in the word of God mm. and standing against what becomes a cultural norm for the eternal truth of the word of God in application. In application, how you live it out. It's not going to be popular. People are not going to like you. They're going to tell you, as Will was told last night, you've forgotten you're black. <laughs> All of these things they try to do, it's, mm. it's threat and intimidation, right? right? 
I'm going to say you're guilty because you're white, all right? And um, look, guys, you have to know the truth of the word of God to be able to stand against the enemy's attacks. And that's that's what's happening right now. And as Will says often, when you look at things like these protests and these these calls, you know, uh, critical race theory, we've talked about this a mm-hmm. lot. Um, of course, intersectionality, kind of CRT slash I, all of them kind of go together. Yeah. But when you look at these things, as, as, as Will describes it, they are very sensual, right? They yes. appeal to our senses. Yes. And so they're very enticing. Yes. And you almost feel yourself being drawn into these mm-hmm. things in one way or another. So, for example... If you are black in culture, you are enticed to hate, right? You are enticed to see justice as defined in only one way. And that way is when it works out in favor of blackness. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, conversely, the, the, the sensual nature of the current conversation is that white people feel guilty about being white. Mm-hmm. Or if you turn the dial too much, now there is hatred where there wasn't hatred for black people before mm. because of this guilt that you say there's no I haven't done anything. On, and man. so now you're over it. And now you hate people that you didn't hate before. Come you on. didn't have problems before, but right. now you're so sick of being called a racist and you're so sick of being called and accused of hating other people Mm -hmm. that you find yourself sinking deeper and deeper into that description, not because you want to, (laughs) but because this is the type of psychology that is taking place right now, whether we know it or not. And so what I'm saying is our great defense, our great wall of defense is the word of God, right? This is how we live. Say, and again, the reason I'm getting into this conversation is because the current call in our culture mm-hmm. is for black people to unite against injustice, which has become a code word. It is not the injustice that is defined biblically. It is not the injustice that you would have understood which means that white people could also be victims of injustice as black people can be victims of injustice. It's not that, right? It is code. It has been redefined. So what we need to do is to meet these new definitions, tear them down, say that you have wrongly defined this term, Mm -hmm. but then speak from the proper definition of it. Yeah. We don't give in to these people's wrong definitions, okay? So what we're talking about today when people call for black unity against injustice that is not actually what the call is the call is in favor of preferential treatment all right (laughs) against a certain other ethnic group that's right that's right to say it simply it is just a call for revenge Mm -hmm. it is a call that now black people should be preferred in culture and white people become subservient so it's not a call for justice right (laughs) In fact, and and think about what is being stated here indirectly. What is being indirectly stated is that we have a justice system that has never worked on behalf of black people. And then we say that's wrong. Okay, so first, who do you need as the justifier to make that claim? You need God. Okay, you need God to make that claim. But then you go a step further and you say we want justice, but that's not what you want. Because closer inspection reveals that what you want is you want a justice system whose scales, according to how you see it, tip in the opposite direction, where now there is injustice for whites and justice for blacks, but it's not justice. (laughs) Do you understand? It's revenge. 
Because if you're right in your assertion that there has been a lack of justice for black people in America, and then you turn around and say it's time for white people to start feeling that, that's dumb. (laughs) That's not a cry for justice. That's a cry for revenge. And anyone with common sense who's not emotionally electrified Mm -hmm. can see that. Now, there are people who would say, well, you know, Paul advocated for his people and Paul talked about his people. He talked about his countrymen. But what did Paul say about his people and his countrymen? Right. In Romans chapter nine, and this would be where I think that people would go in Romans chapter nine, verses one through eight. Yes, Paul referred to his countrymen and the grief that he had over his countrymen. But it wasn't just because of countrymen's sake, his people, according to the flesh. It wasn't just these are my people. His grief was that they had not received the gospel. That's bingo. That's what it was. Please understand that. So when people are calling out to me and saying, you need to care about your people. I do care about my people. I care that my people have rejected Christ and have begun to worship their skin color. And my cry would be the same cry that Paul would have had for his people. Yeah. And it would have been come to Christ, come to Christ. (laughs) Romans chapter nine, Romans chapter nine, verse one. This is what the apostle Paul writes to the Romans. He says, I am speaking the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Verse four, they are Israelites and to them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship and the promises Mm. to them belong the patriarchs. And from their race, according to the flesh is Christ, (laughs) who is God over all blessed forever. Amen. Verse six. But it is not as though the word of God has failed. For not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel and not all are children of Abraham because they are his offspring. But through Isaac shall your offspring be named. This means that it is not the children of the flesh who are the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as offspring. Mm. Listen, (laughs) what is he saying? He's saying, man, yeah, I care about my people, man. There's I mean, there's a lot to there's a lot to glory in here. Right. That (laughs) what was delivered to them, what was handed to them. But there's more people. And I want you to get that. There's more. And I want you to come into this knowledge. He goes on further in chapter 10 of this same letter. In chapter 10, verses one through four, this is what Paul says. He says, brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God is for them that they may be saved. Salvation. That's right. That's right. Verse two, for I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge (laughs) for being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own. Oh, man. They did not submit to God's righteousness for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Mm. Now, when we make our flesh preeminent, mm. it is a righteousness of our own. That's you see right. that it is a rightness that comes from our own standard. And this is the cry today that's happening in our culture. All right. This is the cry today. And look, and I'm going to tell you, it's going to it's it's it's. <laughs> It's uh, guys, I don't do well at PC. So excuse me. Let's just. okay. so this this call is nipping at the heels of black folks 
to embrace blackness over and against the cross. It's nipping at the heels of white folks to to repent for stuff you didn't do. (laughs) (laughs) To feel guilty for something that you have no control over. So much so that now you can't tell the actual truth about injustice because you're afraid to fall into any one of these camps. So how do we how do we mm. do business against this foolishness? We tell the truth all the time. Amen. Twice on Sundays. Amen. That's right. <laughs> okay. Listen, listen. The gospel is at stake in our culture. And let me tell you something. I was I read and this is the story that's kind of fueled, you know, I guess my 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 cry here and, and my thoughts on today. And Will and I were talking about this before the show. So this story is out that um Many people in our culture are familiar with the Ahmaud Arbery case, mm-hmm. all right, in Georgia. And there is new information now, according to one of the three men who were involved in this case, in which, by the way, our brother Abraham Hamilton III on, on the Hamilton Corner, uh, a few weeks back, I think it was, did an incredible job unpacking yeah. the legal aspects of what happened in Georgia. I'm not trained in the law, so I don't, I don't want to unpack that. I don't know how to unpack that except just to regurgitate what Abe has said. So go listen to the show. <laughs> um, but, uh, but let me say this. One of the things that Abe said in his show and Will and I were listening to this together. And I was so glad that he said this as he unpacked the facts of the case. He said, now, look, we cannot I can't make a determination about what was in this person's heart when they did this. Mm-hmm. He said that I heard him say that. And I was I was hoping that he would say that because we need to understand that we can communicate facts and we have to steer clear of making some of those judgment calls that maybe have to be reserved for more information to come out. Mm-hmm. And in some cases will never come out, but God knows. Yeah. Right. Yeah, in some cases we never get this information, but God knows. So here is a story. William Bryan, who was the third of the two, the, the, the third of the three men to father and son, the McMichaels, right? Mm-hmm, right. Who pursued Ahmad Aubrey, and Travis McMichael was the one, I believe, who shot him. That's right. And he died as a result of two gunshot wounds to his chest. And this is this goes into the 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 area where I say I give a disclaimer here. If you're listening with kids, this is strong content. This is strong content, people. This is strong content, and that's maybe not the strongest of it. I don't know, but disclaimer is still in place. So the information that is out today through the Georgia Bureau of Investigation, <clears throat> excuse me, there is an there's an agent who is working on this case and he's assistant special agent um, Richard Dial, Richard Dial. OK, and according to this special agent and, and this is the information that you're going to see, it's going to be coming up in your news feeds. Right. And you have to be careful what you do with it. You can't let your emotions be tossed back and forth. Right. But. William Bryan, the one who was filming what happened to Ahmaud Arbery, testified um, that Travis McMichael said after the three shots from his shotgun, okay, um, and Arbery is dying in the streets, he said, and, and again, no little ears listening here, use a bad word. Okay, and then use the N word. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, when you read that information, it is not only possible, but it's likely that that reveals a heart yeah. right condition. Yeah. Okay. It's possible that that reveals a heart condition. 
There's also information. I'm going to put a link. We'll put a link of, uh, uh, to this story in the show notes so that you can go read it for yourself. It is possible that reveals a heart condition. And so this is partiality based on skin color, right? Mm-hmm. When you have those kinds of words coming from a person's mouth um, and they're taking or have taken someone's life, right? Um, it, to me, in Miki's opinion here, it's the equivalent of like smashing a bug. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and, and, and you're like, you know, disgusting fly. Right. You know what I mean? It's right. like, you, you know, it's, it's the equivalent, right? Right. But I want to tell you something. And this, is, this, is, this upsets the social justice warriors when I say stuff like this. I don't need that to be an element of this case mm-hmm. for me to be outraged by it. Come on. Why? Because Ahmaud Arbery is made in the image of God. That's it. As an image bearer, I care that the image of God is marred in him by the taking of his innocent life. That's right. This is why I'm pro-life. Do you understand? Look, if we start to go with the argument that we need a person's life to matter because of the color of their skin, do you understand that we would have an inconsistent position with throughout the history of the church? <laughs> throughout the history, it's never been so. It has never been so. But this is what the call is today. The call is about people who look like us. This is where the parable of the Good Samaritan comes into play, where we say, wait a minute. So now, and and think about it. It's a justice that only works in one direction, (laughs) right? It's a justice. I I posted a story from five years ago. And boy, I didn't know know that it was going to strike a nerve like it did, but it did. I mean, I posted a story from five years ago. Where, because what I'm sick of is I'm sick of being told how to feel and what to think based on what the current narrative is right. in culture. Like whatever the news story is that they, they decide to fire off and they can manipulate your emotions and tell you how to feel about each other. Man, we got to resist that, yeah. man. Amen. We got to resist that. Like I'm not, I'm not going to ignore information. It's okay for, as a Christian for us to be able to say, you know what, we want to wait for more information to come out before we comment on that. We want to wait. We don't want to just have somebody, you know, be able to play our strings whenever they want and and get from us whatever emotion they want. And there are people who are banking on that. And I mean, literally banking on that. (laughs) Right. All right. But five years ago, I wrote an article because I saw this happening in the news media. And of course, it's just increased. Right. I saw this happening and I thought, wow, you know, it's amazing how the news media really gets to to determine whose life has value. And the news media has said that if you are white and your civil rights are violated, let's say you're accosted by a law enforcement officer. Let's say you're white and a law enforcement officer puts his his knee in your neck for eight and a half, nine minutes and you die. I'm not supposed to care about that. (laughs) I'm supposed to say, well, I mean, you know, I, I mean, if let's say this. If I'm even made aware that it happened. Right. You might not even hear about it. If they even post a story. Right. Likewise, I can't care about a kid who is shot by gang members in an alleyway in Chicago by his father's rival gang. I can't care about that because that's black on black crime. And that's just supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. You, you, you follow you guys are you with me here yeah what I'm saying is this we have to train ourselves to resist the emotional pull of these kinds of conversations where if you're not careful you find yourself 
hating one another and turning on one another because you simply had your strings played. Come on. All right. Aaron the Addisons, American Family Radio. We'll grab the break and we'll be right back. Aaron the Addisons on American Family Radio. I always try to pick up speed when I get in that third segment. I'm like, oh man, okay. <laughs> the sand seems to go just a little bit faster. I'm Miki. And I'm Will, and that's Donnie McClurkin with Stan. Sherry V is over in Studio CC. Let me say this. So the Apostle Paul, concerned about his countrymen, not just for countrymen's sake, con- concerned about his people, his brothers according to the flesh, as he referred to them. His concern for them was over the gospel. But I tell you what, he sure did tell the Corinthians about those jokers attacking him. He didn't cover up because that's his brothers according to the flesh. Man. I think you see where I'm going mm-hmm. here. Look, guys, don't. I, I mean, I almost went to New Orleans. I almost said, don't play with me. That's not. I didn't mean. <laughs> Look, I don't. I don't. I don't care. I don't care when people say you can't talk about that because those people are black. You can't talk. Yeah, I'm going to say something. Right. Yeah, I'm going to talk about that. And I hope that in your circles, if people say to you, well, you can't talk about that because, you know, a person is white and that will fuel the flame. If it's wrong, you, I hope you talk about it. Keep it biblical. I hope you say it's wrong. Yeah. I hope you do the kinds of things that make people in your circles uncomfortable when they're operating extra biblically. Mm-hmm. When they're doing the things that are outside the body that you say, now, what do you mean by that? <laughs> now what do you, I I man I do it I do it I yeah. know and it, look I don't get invited a lot of places it's fine I don't have big soirees <laughs> I'm okay with that you know because it's just difficult to be around people and to hear them make statements where you go you you know I hate to tell you I hate to tell you your partiality shown like you said it, it it was difficult when Paul had to rebuke Peter come on man. To his face, like right. about partiality issues, like <laughs> right. But he did it, but and it was for the it. gospel's sake. Amen, amen. And Paul did not pull any punches. As much as Paul would talk about his love for his brothers, according to the flesh, he called those jokers out in Second Corinthians. Look at what he said when he's going through his list. He's 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 going through how he has suffered. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man, you got to love the word of God, man. So Paul is going through how he has suffered. And what, is he, what does he say in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11? He says, five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes, less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys. Here we go. In danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people. <laughs> Man. This is what I think of when people say, you hate yourself. I'm in danger from my own people. You know, you know. It says danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers in toil and hardships through many a sleepless night and hunger and thirst, often without food and cold and exposure. He lists. The attacks he's come under by his own people hmm. and what he suffered to get the gospel out, Man. to get the truth out. Why? Because the gospel must prevail. Amen. Jesus Christ must get top billing. 
He was able to call a spade a spade. Look, when we make much of the cross, we're free to care about all people. Mm. We realize sin is what Christ conquered on the cross. We understand that we can speak out on these issues without. And look, let me tell you something. As a Christian, look, they're going to be. And I, I'm going to say this and I'm going to move on. This, this is a hopscotch. Okay. I'm going to jump on nine. I'm going to move on. <laughs> As a conservative there's some great points you can get from Candace Owens, but I'm not going there for doctrine. Come on. I'm not going to Candace Owens for doctrine. <laughs> and look, I, look, you know, hey, girl, hey, okay, thank you <laughs> for what good. you're doing. But there's some things that Candace Owens has said, and there's some alignments that Candace Owens has made that fly in the face of biblical authority. Mm-hmm. So you need to be careful with that. Mm, Candace Owens on. may be singing your song. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, politically speaking, but I'm not going to Candace Owens for doctrine. Candace Owens can't lead me in righteousness. All right. So I'm not looking to her to help me walk out a biblical worldview in culture. (laughs) Amen. Why are we freed to care about the other? I'm going to conclude with this. And and then and, and again, and one other reference to an article from five years ago. But let me conclude with this. We're free to care about the others in culture because that's who we were, people. Mm. All of us. Yeah. yeah. And, and forgive me, Ken Ham, whether you're black, whether you're white, <laughs> whatever you are, because we seem to be the only two people in culture today. Man, I feel so bad for our Hispanic brothers and sisters who are over here like, hey, we matter. And they're like, well, they're trying to put us on with the brown. Black and the brown. They're trying to put us on, but you keep kicking us out, Mika. You don't need to be on this. No, you don't. Don't. Resist don't. that. Resist. <laughs> resist you don't need to be in this right but we were the other so we're free to care about the other because we were the other miki what is your biblical defense for that ephesians chapter 2 verses 11 through 22 but we probably don't even need to get through all of it therefore remember that at one time you gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision which is made in the flesh by hands remember that you were at that time, separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. Man, he's just landed on, right? <laughs> Strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Ooh, that's that You were the, I was man. the other. You were the other. That hit you, hard. You, <laughs> man, I wish you could feel the weight of that. That's what, that's, man, this, this call for one-sided type of secular definition of justice man is foolishness because look if i give in to this i'm going to tell you and now i'm hearkening back to this article from five years ago i wrote this article in november of 2015 and it still speaks today there was a little boy named tashawn lee he was nine years old he loved basketball and he could regularly be found with his ball headed to shoot hoops in fact on november 2nd in 2015 He was headed to the park just down the street from his grandmother's house when he was lured into an alley and shot seven times in his face and back. Little Tashawn Lee was the target of his father's rival gang. And on Chicago's south side at approximately 4 p.m. in broad daylight, he was executed. Were there any marches for that? Did business owners get slapped over the head with two by fours for that? Did businesses get looted for that? Did cheesecake factories get looted for that? Louis Vuitton stores get looted? Nope. No. And you know why? Because the statement was, well, that's supposed to happen. 
That's supposed to, guys, these are the statements that are made without being made. When we give into this, it's like, we can't care about that because that's supposed to happen. They say that's a crime of proximity. You, they're just, that's the people you're around. Do you know how, how woefully ignorant that is of a statement? I can't care about the image of God in Tyshawn Lee because he's a black boy killed by black men. So that doesn't matter so much. <laughs> you know what else we can't care about? If we give in to this narrative that we only care about ourselves, we can't care about the other. In 2015, same year, same month, a little boy named Jeremy Martis. Jeremy Martis. Loved school, favorite activities at school, and his first grade class was dress up. He was six years old. He was nonverbal autistic. On November 3rd in Marksville, Louisiana, he was shot five times in his head and chest when police officers fired 18 rounds into the SUV that he was traveling in with his father. He was still buckled in the front seat next to his dad. Mm. But you know what? Jeremy Martis was white and the officer that shot and killed him was black. Did Don Lemon go to Marksville and set up a block of hotels? <laughs> did Don, did they, we're on the scene. Did they talk to everybody who ever knew Jeremy? Did Jeremy Martis get a hashtag? No, because our culture is trying to control your compassion. They are telling you what to care about. I don't need to care about George Floyd because he was black. I care about George Floyd because he's made in the image of God. Amen. And because I get my marching orders from the scriptures. And what God laid out in the beginning, even after the flood, he reinstitutes this with Noah. And he says, look, if somebody takes a man's life, his life has to be demanded of him. Why? He roots the value of man's life in this one indisputable fact. Man is made in the image of God. Not black man, not white man, not red man, not yellow man, not brown man. Come on. Come it is on. man made in the image of God. And I refuse to let people tell me what I can care about because of my skin color. Man. I want to be able to care about Jeremy Martis, even yeah. though he's white and the officer that violated his civil rights was black. Come on. That's true. I want to be able to care about Tyshawn Lee because he's black, but he was killed by black gang members. What I'm saying to you is this. We have a higher calling. We have a higher standard. The world does not understand it. And you are going to be peculiar. Amen. So when you live in a way that is other from the people around you, you need to be ready. Peter told us to be ready for this. First Peter three fifteen. you live in such a way that you're other that then you have to be ready to give a reason for the hope that lies within you. Why do you live this? So Miki, why is it that you're not jumping on the bandwagon? Why aren't you hashtagging your Facebook page for George Floyd? Cause I'm not an instrument to be played by you people. Come on. <laughs> Cause I control my comments. Come on about it. And if I don't, I won't because I'm sick of you telling me what to care about and what to think about. I'm sick of you telling me who's my brother. That's what the lawyer asked Jesus. Who is my neighbor? Today's culture is telling you if you're black, your neighbor is black. Do you imagine that that could work in the reverse? That can you imagine what would happen in this country? If white people got out and started saying, well, we only care about white people. We're we're marching for justice for white people. Do you can that <laughs> that's not then it's not justice. Right. If it doesn't work across the board, 
if it can't be blind, you know, this is why I always say, look, a lot of the things that you see people crying out for is not for justice in our justice system. Mm-hmm. It's just for the scales to be tipped in the opposite direction. That's if it. it was wrong, then you need to leave the wrong behind. Now what you want, like, let me tell you something. Look, man, and this, look, I don't want the McMichaels to get an unfair trial. I want them to get a fair and just trial. Mm. You say, Miki, how how can you say that? Because I'm not talking with my blackness. Because I'm talking from Bible. Because I understand justice. And because I want our justice system to work. And let me tell you something else. If I were white, I don't want the McMichaels to get off because I prefer them. I want justice. Mm. I want justice. You see, when you have a biblical filter, you're free to engage without the bondage of like, who am I? Amen. Who who are my people? I know we only have about five minutes left, but I mean, if anybody wants to talk to us in a couple minutes, 888-589-8840-888-589-8840. This is something that grieves us. Yeah. Will and I talk about this often. We do. We're not just now talking about this because of the current events. We've been talking about this for a very long time. And we're saying the same thing we're saying now that we were saying six, seven, eight years ago. Yeah. And I had a chance to go even look back at some of our shows from when we were doing Urban Family. And we were talking about the same stuff, the same stuff, you know, and it's always been that Christ is over everything. Amen. And that's the filter that we go through like the the word of God the straight edge of scripture man the Bible provides for us you know uh, uh, again you know a a safety assurance that man I can lean on the word of God I don't have to come up with some plan or some method or whatever it may be I don't I have the word of God and and the word of God shows us how we deal with every situation and it works in every situation it works in every situation Man, you know, I, I, I want to say this. I, I think, and, and, you know, this may be a little bit controversial here, and maybe we won't have time to get to calls, but tomorrow's Friday. We'll open the phone lines wide open if okay. you want. Yeah. Do, we, do, ha- do tom- we have? Let's do it tomorrow. We'll do it tomorrow. Okay, yeah. I'm sorry about that. We'll open the phone lines up wide open tomorrow. You can comment on anything we've discussed this week. We'll give you a rundown of the topics. But let me say this. We know in our various groups, our people groups, however it is we operate and flow, We know the people who are given to partiality. We know. We know. This is not something that we need to always constantly be doing like a check. Like, am I, you know, and and you're doing your check based on the culture's new definition, Mm. right? The the new way that they're defining terms. And we don't need to do this. We don't need to do this. When there is something that is presented, Christians can do this as faithful Christians, when there is something that is presented and you hear it and you're like, well, that's not biblically sound. You'd say something, right? So why can't that fuel the way we engage even on topics of, I hate to say, we commonly call it race, but we should stop, saints. We should stop calling it race. We should call it ethnicity. We should call it culture. We should call it what the Bible calls it. And if we have to be pushed to talk about race, we should describe it the way Peter described it. 
There's two races of people, those who are the Lord's and those who aren't. That will put an end to a lot of the division that the enemy wants to bring to the church. Amen. We have one testimony, one profession. Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen. All right, Amen. we're out of time for today. Until tomorrow, and we'll open the phone lines way open. Until tomorrow, Lord willing. God bless.